0: Annuities are on the rise, literally. And today we have Triangle Financial Group experts on the call to discuss everything about annuities. Whether you considered an annuity or not, today's episode is for you. Stay tuned.
1: You're listening to Triangle's Making Money Personal podcast, where we engage in real talk about financial matters that affect our community. Today's episode is sponsored by Triangle Credit Union, recently voted best credit union in New Hampshire.
0: Honestly, if you had asked me what an annuity is, I would have given a random explanation and would probably been totally off the mark. I know this because not so long ago, I met with Brian Luce from Triangle Financial Group and he asked me what an annuity was. I gave him my answer and lo and behold, I was way off base, but today, Brian is joining us along with Eric Cooper to discuss all things annuity, and we're excited to share this valuable information with our listeners. Welcome back, Brian and Eric.
2: Thanks for having
3: us. Great to be back. How are you guys doing today?
0: We are doing great. Will's not here today, so Lizzie is jumping in. So welcome, Liz, as
1: well. Hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Will's unable to make it, so I'm filling in for him.
3: Well, we uh, well we we look forward to it. It's going to be a fun conversation today. I I, I can tell.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds
0: so like I it's going to be. Fun. I just want to know, Eric, how are you going to make annuities? I mean, I don't mean to be like you know down in the annuities because when I met with Brian before, I was kind of down on the annuities, and he set me straight. But you know, you're pretty charged up about annuities.
3: I am pretty charged up about annuities. They're 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 a really effective tool when you understand what their purpose is and how you can use them to your advantage. And there's a lot of people that don't have that education so that they're, they're not able to do that. Um, there's a lot of people that have interacted with the product at some level or maybe heard about it from somebody else that they know that's had it. And a lot of perceptions out there in the world about annuities, if they're good or bad or, or what they are or how to use them. So I'm just excited to get into, uh, into the logic of it with you guys and give our members some education on how they may or may not be able to use it um, to,
0: to further their financial goals. Awesome. All right. Well, let's start right in with what, what is an annuity? What, what is it exactly?
3: So, at a basic level, an annuity is a contract between you and the financial institution. So, it's you and a financial institution that's not backed by the NCUA or the FDIC or any government entity. It's a contract between you and a financial institution um, that includes the agreement to be able to pay you a lifetime stream of income or a stream of income for a certain period of time in the Supreme Contract. Now, not all annuities necessarily use that provision. Annuities can be used for other purposes other than creating income. But the base definition of it is it's a contract between me or you and a financial institution where there's an agreement that you have the option to turn this pool of money that you've given that financial institution into a lifetime paycheck.
1: Mm, I like the idea of that. So is it considered like an account or is it an investment? product
3: um so some annuities are considered investment products and some are not because some of them have an investment component where your money is actually exposed to the market and some don't but to answer your question directly it's 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 a product it's a contract it's not necessarily an account in and of itself you can have an annuity within a 401k you can have an annuity within an ira you can have an annuity that's just on its own that's non-retirement money Right. So the annuity is the tool and the tool can fit into a bunch of different wrappers, depending on what type of account you house it in and how it's taxed. The annuity is just just refers to the contract that you own with that financial institution that lays out how the money is going to be allocated, how the money is going to grow and ultimately what the parameters are for you to turn that pool of money that you've given the financial institution into a lifetime paycheck.
0: So Eric, do you feel like that people are interested in annuities because it sounds like that they have a little bit more control over it? So
3: generally speaking, so the most popular sector of people that are interested in annuities are people looking at retirement. When we do retirement planning for members, the the, 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 the most, the safest part of that retirement planning conversation, no matter how much money you have, is almost always social security. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because Social Security represents income that you're going to get every single month and every year that's going to last your lifetime. What Social Security doesn't carry that the rest of your money usually carries is what we call longevity risk. None of us know how long we're going to live or how long our money really needs to last us. With Social Security, it's not a problem because if you live to 120 or if you die at 65, either way, that, that check is going to come every single month regardless of how long you live. So generally speaking the interest in annuities is going to be driven by people that are looking to convert money that they have that is finite that they have that they run the risk of running out on and converting that into a lifetime payment stream where they no longer have the risk of running out of that money. Um, so that's where most of the interest comes in. Comes in, And nowadays, when you talk about like all, all the baby boomers that are retiring, the record high retirement rates we have, interest rates being super low on CDs and some other products like that, people are super interested in a way that they can get more juice out of the money that they've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, social security also usually does not pay the entirety of somebody's retirement expenses. Um, there's limits on how much you can get every single month, right? So someone's getting $3,000 a month for social security but they were making 60, 70, 80 grand a year before retirement, that represents a significant drop in income. So then the question becomes, how do we supplement that? How do we create additional income with the other assets that you have? And annuities are a really cool tool to do that because you eliminate the risk that you're going to run out of the assets that creates the income.
0: Okay. That makes sense? It totally makes sense. So, and and I guess maybe from, you know, somebody who, who, you know, I've I'm not an investment person at all. I mean, I, we know we have like the 401k and, you know, a couple other things or whatever, but um, I have noticed not only through triangle financial group um, that, you know, you guys have been talking about annuities, right. But I also have friends and other who work for other investment companies and they have seen the interest in annuities on the rise. Do you attribute that to people who are, like you said, the baby boomers. Like you know, there's like a larger demographic right now that's on the cusp of retiring or interested in you know increasing their retirement. Like I mean, I hear about it a lot lately.
3: So there's there's two main reasons that I'll give you why the conversation is ticking up right now. Uh, number one is the record high retirement rates, and people are starting to um, get wise to the fact that in retirement, what really matters most is your cash flow, not necessarily your net worth, right? Mm-hmm. The majority of our lives are focused on saving. We're focused on building the net worth, adding money to the 401k, the savings account, getting equity on our homes, maybe buying an investment property, you know, that, that, that we can gain equity in or, or whatever the case is, right? At the end of the day, when your assets now have the pressure to produce your income and you're not getting a paycheck from, you know, whoever you're working for, whatever business that you owned when you were working or whatever the case is, now all of a sudden the definition of a win changes to how much can I how much can I spend versus how much is on my balance sheet. Right. That right. transition is something most people don't prepare for. So when you have this 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 paradigm shift in your thinking, now all of a sudden the certainty of the cash flow becomes the number one concern for you. Right. Enter the interest in annuities. The other interest thing that's driving interest in annuities are the super low interest rates. Annuities can usually, can, they can grow, right? So even before you turn on income, the money you put in an annuity can grow in a whole number of ways. Sometimes just based on the investment markets. Sometimes just based on a guaranteed interest rate. Sometimes just based on some other things. Um, but what's generally true is that annuities, when you're talking about fixed rates, oftentimes pay a little bit more than stuff like CDs or stuff that's government backed Mm -hmm. because you are essentially getting compensated for the additional risk that you're taking by putting your contract to the full faith and credit of that financial institution versus the federal government right so if if i've got a if i've got an annuity contract Mm -hmm. with some company and that the agreement is they're going to pay me two two and a half percent a year for three years but I can get a three year CD in a bank that'll pay me one and a half for three years. Well, the reason is because in order for that financial institution to get you to put your money with them, they've got to offer you a little more because technically you're taking a little bit more risk, right? Because right. The, the, the safety of your money is totally dependent on their financial stability. It's not backed by the federal reserve. Right. So when people are looking for additional juice in a low interest rate environment, Oftentimes they'll turn to highly rated companies that have financial stability to make good on their promises, but since they're not backed by the government, they can get a little bit more on their money
1: in the meantime. Excellent. Hmm. Very good. So do you find that more people move their money? Is it the type of thing where this is just cash that's sitting in a CD or a savings account that people will use to set up an annuity? I mean, they don't take it from their 401ks or their IRAs, do they? Um, so
3: if you're looking to so if you're
1: looking to grow the money
3: in a protected manner, um, oftentimes it's cash, it's money in a CD, it's 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 safer money. Um, and this doesn't go for every situation; is different, mm. of course, right? But generally speaking, that's where a lot of that money is getting pulled from. Then that goes to what we call fixed annuities, right? Where there's some stated interest rate. Hey, give us your money for five years; we'll pay you X amount per year, similar to a CD, right? That type of structure. Um, Oftentimes, for income annuities and variable annuities, and some of the other annuities that are on the product shelf, we will see money coming from 401ks and retirement to those types of products. But the reason is because those folks are looking to create immediate income, or they're looking to create income within a within a short period of time. So if you've got a certain amount of money in your 401k and that's the majority of your retirement assets, that's what you've got to create income out of. Oftentimes, people will take some of that and they'll put it into an annuity. So instead of having you know, 200 grand in their 401k. Now they have, you know, a extra 10 grand a year in income or whatever the case is, right? So people are using it that way. You know, there's a bunch of ways you can defer annuities as well. So when you think about annuities for income, you don't necessarily just have to do it right before you're looking to take the check. There's plenty of folks that will take some money out, put it in an annuity that gives them some protection along the way with the ability to turn it into income later. For example, I'm 55. All my money is in retirement accounts and I don't want a market crash to ruin my retirement. I might take half that money and give it to an annuity company in a deferred annuity where the agreement is, you can invest the money, we'll charge you a fee, but you can invest the money, the money can grow. There's a floor to how much you can lose or some sort of protection on the downside. There's a cap to what you can make, but now you put some guardrails around it. So you're not going to lose your share of the market, if the market crashes and at age 65, you can turn on income, right? So you just kind of protect it in the meantime with a promise that you can turn it into income later. So it's a very, very complex world. There's a lot of different types of annuities and contract provisions and riders and structure But the basic idea is the reason why somebody would use an annuity, regardless of what type of annuity it is, is two main reasons. They want to protect their money more than just investing it will do. And they want the ability to turn the money into income later.
0: Hmm. So Mm. a little follow up to that. in terms of like, it sounds like there's a, a lot as you, and you just mentioned this right now to Eric, there are a lot of types of annuities. So oh, yeah. for people who are listening, and this is the first time they've heard the word annuity or they had preconceived notions of what an annuity was, what would be your recommendation in terms of like, how do they determine what what is the best annuity? I mean, it sounds like to me, this would be a conversation that they should have with their financial planner, but you know, you take it from here. What do you think?
3: That is the recommendation. If you do not have a financial planner, you need to have a conversation with one about annuities. Um, Annuities, like every product, have a lot of bells and whistles. And a lot of those bells and whistles are designed to give that product a competitive edge over others or to be be the the, the shiny thing or the features and benefits that allow that company to be able to sell that product. What you as a consumer need to be concerned about is not necessarily the bells and whistles on this product versus that product, but what is the logic of putting this product in my portfolio in the first place? Mm -hmm. What is it designed to do? And what is the opportunity cost of using this product versus doing it some other way? Is this the most efficient way I can deploy the funds that I have to get to my desired end? That is a, at its fundamental level, that's financial planning. Mm -hmm. and 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 having a conversation with a financial advisor will be able to help you translate and really add some clarity around what your goals are what the shortest and most efficient path is to get there and whether annuities have a place if they do have a place there's a lot of translation that goes into it to determine what type of annuity there are endless amounts of contract structures and and riders and classifications and tax considerations when it comes into How much do I put into an annuity? Should I put money into an annuity? How do I structure the annuity? How long of a term do I want to lock it up for? All those, when do I plan to turn on income? So the best way, if you're interested in annuities, it would be to come to Triangle Financial Group. We have this service that is available to members to have conversations with Brian and with me and with Jeff Mayer, the other member of our team, to really see if it's a fit for you and see if it has a place in your financial plan. Awesome. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I mean, I know I'm not in the majority, but I get fired up about this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know I, for one, I'd never really heard of annuities before. I don't, unlike Terry, I don't really know of many people who are talking about it. Maybe I'm just not at that point yet. But, um, you know, I mean, for me, my knowledge of investing or setting aside money is really just, I'm still on the 401k IRA, like just building the portfolio. So somebody my age, I mean... We, there may be some people my age in their like late thir- late 20s, early 30s who could use an annuity, but is it predominantly for probably people who are like you said, maybe closer to retirement age or have a little bit more cash reserve set aside that they're looking to kind of preserve.
3: It is generally speaking, it it more often than not it fits for people that are close to retirement. However, there are uses for younger folks. For example, there's and a type of annuity that. I think it's probably only existed for the last decade or so called a structured annuity. Um, and the basic way that that works is there's, you, you have, you give money for a certain co- period of time, a contract length to a financial institution. Um, the money tracks a certain index. So it might track the S and P 500. So your money can grow or lose, but there's guardrails around how much you can make and how much you can lose. So it's what we call a buffer. To put that into an example, I might give this company $50,000 on a six year term. And the agreement is the first 20% of loss that company will eat. So if after those six years, my money is down 20%, I still get my 50 grand back. The cap might be 100%. So I can make up to 100%. So at the end of those six years, depending on what the index did, I can have up to a hundred thousand dollars. But if I make more than one hundred percent, the company keeps the difference and I only get that, right. so there's there's even ways that people will use it as an investment tool, right? If they still want to have some sort of way to make some money, they don't really want to put the money in a CD, a low interest product, but they want to reduce the risk from, hey, there's no protection on this money whatsoever, right? So there's some ways that younger folks can use it as a part of, part of a diversified portfolio. That's one of the main ways I've seen. Um, generally speaking, though, when we think about it as really a contract where you can turn on future income, the majority of the time, you know, you're dealing with somebody that is closer to wanting to take income, which lends itself to people that are closer to retirement.
0: Excellent. Okay. So Eric, we're going to just take a short break to hear from our sponsor and we'll be back in just a second. Okay?
3: Sounds great.
1: Do you still get paper checks you need to deposit but don't want to wait in long lines at the bank? Stay home and deposit your check using remote check deposit. Just register in the Triangle mobile app or from your online banking to get started. It makes depositing a check as easy as following the endorsement instructions and taking a couple of photos. With a few final taps of your finger or clicks of your mouse, your check will be on its way to your account. Don't stress over the hassle of running to the bank for a single deposit. Save fuel and the time by using remote check deposit through the Triangle mobile app. Register now and try it out. Visit trianglecu.org for details.
0: Psych your mind, we're back.
1: Okay, welcome back, Eric.
0: That was a short break, I know. So, okay, I... I, (laughs) I want to just say one thing. So this is the second time I think that we've had Eric on the show. Am I right, Lizzie? Okay. Every time he talks about the older crowd, he uses like the age range 55 and above. And for some reason, Eric knows that I'm 55 and yet he still does it. Eric, why do you do that to me?
3: That's why I pick 55 instead of 54, 56. <laughs> I just got to poke every chance I get, you know? He
0: does. He pokes the bear every time. <laughs> I'm like, why are you doing that to me, Eric? Come on now. You're speaking to Barry, my Barry, you don't
3: look a day over 35.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Age is that's just why, a number. And that's why I love you. And that's why we're going to keep having him back. Okay, Lizzie, just <laughs> keep bringing this so guy good. back. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Actually, Erica, I do want to change, I, ch- I want to change um, the, the discussion a little bit here. Um, more so, I mean, if, if we want to talk about annuities or if there's things that, you know, that we need to add in this next portion of discussion, please feel free to bring it in. But going back to what Liz had mentioned earlier about, um, you know, financial planning, and, and we have had this conversation in the past, but I feel like it's important it's an it's important to bring up is when when do we start financial planning like and you know what's the age range to do that early (laughs) early is right brian well so so, let me answer So
2: here's an example so i had clients in my office the other day walk through my door in their 60s right and they have all their money sitting in pre-tax accounts Like uh, our financial plan I delivered yesterday uh, is a single woman divorced. She had, you know, one million dollars sitting in a 401k and that was it. Right. So she's now retiring. She's saying, okay, how am I going to live? So, you know, what about vacations and what if I need a new car and what if I need this and the other thing? It's like, well, 98 percent of your money is sitting in a 401k. When you want to go buy a new car, you're going to have to pay 20 cents on the dollar to buy your new car. Right. There was no tax diversification in her strategy. And I've, I think I've said, and I wish I met you 30 years ago because we would have created a much more diversified investment strategy and tax strategy, um, you know, had I met you. Another guy, same, same thing, older gentleman in his 60s, they all come to us when they're in their 60s. Uh, to do financial planning, which we do a lot of great things, but it's harder uh, to do things versus if they're in their, you know, I would say 20s, 30s, and 40s. You know, Right. 20s might be a little young. You're still figuring your life out. You're making, I made a lot of mistakes in my 20s, right? And it, thankfully, I learned from those mistakes. You know, spend more than I made. Do did all the things I shouldn't have. But I learned in my 30s that hey, you know, I need to to Turn things around, you know, so I think 30s is really a, a good age to start financial planning. Yeah. Sorry. To Let end. me that add that.
3: Sounds- that add this to that, so Terry. To jump in. I think to answer your, to, to your question, and thank you for that, Brian, because that, that's very accurate. Um, financial planning is a, is a tough word because it means different things to different people. So let's first define what financial planning is. And this is at, at its basic level. Planning is just bringing the future into the present, so you can do something about it now. Mm -hmm. So the answer to your question of when you should start financial planning is when you start making money, right now. When you hire somebody to do the financial planning for you is a different question, right? At the point when you engage with a financial professional like me and Brian, right, it's usually a couple different scenarios. Either the complexity has gotten to a point where there's some knowledge gaps that you have, or you're not necessarily sure how to piece things together. Um, another reason people will come to us for financial planning is to delegate in order to do it properly and do it well, and to do it at maximum efficiency, it takes too much time investment and mental and emotional investment for them. So it makes sense to hire somebody like Ryan and I to delegate. Um, or they or, you know, so it might be the the, the, the they, they just don't like it. They don't have the desire to do it. So they desire to delegate it. So They might not have the will. They might not have the skill. They might have not have the time. Um, but all we're doing with financial planning, and I think that this is an important point because I'll make the analogy to, say, having a personal trainer or going to the gym or getting fit, you might have an initial plan that you start out with. You might go to a trainer when you're 26 years old, you're young, in your prime, you're doing your thing, you're professional, whatever. As you get older, your metabolism changes. As you build your family, the amount of time that you're able to invest changes. Maybe the resources you can put into nutrition changes. Maybe you get a job later and you're traveling, so now you're eating out more often than you were before, so your exercise regimen changes, right? Whatever that initial plan was that you put together at the beginning is only valid as long as the situation stays the same. So it's important to have a relationship that's iterative and can evolve with your life because financial planning is very much uh, rigid in principle, flexible, in its execution. A financial plan is not a set of recommendations to ultimately get to retirement that you do at one point in time, and then you just march on that path forever. You need somebody who understands the ebbs and flows of your life. You need somebody that can talk you through it and can translate all the noise into what's relevant to you at this point in time. So really, financial planning is from a professional standpoint it's a relationship of coaching it's a relationship of advice it's a relationship of support out of that do come specific recommendations um, but you don't go to your gym trainer for the exercise recommendations you go to your gym trainer for the transformation in your body how you feel in your life it's the same thing when you hire a financial planner so there's a lot of free education through triangle financial group through a lot of different financial institutions you can have if you're in your twenties, just starting out. Right. And you should start this process for yourself before you ever get to somebody like me and Brian. And, you know, it's pretty intuitive. You know, if you, you should start early as, as soon as you can, as, as, as you can do so, it would make sense to engage with a financial professional at at some level. Um, you know, whether it's just picking their brain or, or whether you choose to hire them as, as your financial planner, uh, because it can save you a lot of heart, heartache.
0: Right. Uh, future. Right. Uh, well, and to your point, though, Eric, it's like, you know, you have to plan for it. And that's the decision that you have to make. Right. So it's like you're planning for it. And then when, you know, once you kind of craft up something in your head, it's like, OK, now I have to have um, I have to have people in my in my corner who are going to help me. You know with my plan and then you know the the only other thing because you were talking about change and the only constant in life is change you know what That's i mean it. so it's like you have to have um you have to have a, a good plan to accommodate all of
3: that you've got to have a good plan but you've got to have a good planning process so that you're a, you're agile to adapt to that change right because a good plan if you define that by the recommendations and how much you're putting into an account every month you know, the right number there is going to constantly, constantly fluctuate along with those changes in life. Right. So it's, it's, it's something that, right. You have to own your own outcomes. Nobody is coming to save you. If you don't do what you need to do, the, the, the federal government and social security is not coming to save you. Medicare is not coming to save you. And as much as I would like to, if I'm interacting with you and it's too late, you know, we can only work with you with what you've got. We can't go back in time and, and, and change decisions that you made before. So really, you know, every you have to own your own financial outcomes. And in order for you to own those outcomes, you also have to make the decision on whether your financial future is worth investing in. Mm-hmm. Because if it is, you know, whether that's investing your time through your own research, whether that's investing your resources by hiring somebody like me or Brian to come into the fold, Right. However, that takes shape for you, it's got to be a choice that you make early and you make the decision to invest in it. Um, when you do that, you know, a good friend of mine has a saying he says, an 80% improvement today is better than a 100% improvement tomorrow. Mm,
0: hmm.
3: I like that. Make That's, the choice that you're going to take control of your financial future. You might not do it perfectly right off the bat, but you're going to get better as you continue to work at it. Um, do something about it
0: now. Excellent.
1: Excellent. It makes me think of something. So you guys can probably blast this myth out of the water because I hear this a lot. Whenever we talk about going to see a financial planner, everyone, a lot of people respond with like, well, I don't have enough money. But what I'm hearing, Eric, is it's not necessarily about how much money you have to start with. It's about connecting with a person who can help you build that strategy to adapt to the changes in your life so you have a plan <laughs> going forward. The thought that you don't have enough money, therefore you can't see financial planner, it's got to be a myth, right?
3: Yeah, that's that's not really accurate, right? So there's a separation between the blueprint and the raw materials. If you're going to build a house and you get a blueprint, right, of how you're going to build a house, etc., cetera, et cetera. so you you have the plan. Now, who you decide to buy the wood from and which subcontractors you hire to actually execute all the little things that need to happen to make the big vision come true is a separate decision than the blueprint itself. Financial planning is an evolving, living, breathing blueprint. Mm -hmm. And product decisions, like who I'm going to hire to manage my money, uh, which company I'm going to buy an insurance policy from, which company I'm going to buy an annuity from, right? Those decisions are only valuable to the extent that there's some sort of logic or rhyme or reason in a broader blueprint. So financial planning is really the blueprint, right? Now, where where financial resources might come into play is somebody might say, I don't necessarily have the resources to hire somebody to create the blueprint. Um, Sometimes that's true. A lot of times it's not true. It's not too cost prohibitive. Um, That being said, an 80% improvement today is better than 100% improvement tomorrow. A conversation with Brian and I is free. Research online is free the triangle financial group podcast is free you know what i mean right so if if thematically you take ownership of the outcome you build your yourself to the point where you can onboard the resources that would be helpful for you and in the meantime a lot of the resources that are available at a lower cost are probably appropriate to still bring you forward to improve where you are from tomorrow from where you are today Excellent. The other, the other thing I'll add there too, right? When people say I don't have enough money to do it, we're talking about paying your future self, not yourself today. You need to be able to put yourself in the position of, of you at, I'm gonna say it again, Terry, 55 <laughs> or Ouch. Ouch. 60 or, or even 40. You know what I mean? Like you have you have to be able to think as yourself then so that you can translate that into choices and actions you make today
0: right that's, got that's it. All it is. yep very good yeah and then the other thing too i i don't know how you feel about this eric but you know sometimes people i've i've heard this and then again i'll, I'll let you weigh in on it like the retirement is not an age sometimes it's, it's a more of like a, a number in terms of like my my income right have you ever heard that I've heard that. I don't agree with that though. What is retirement?
3: <laughs> what do you so, so, so oh, is retirement in numbers, retirement in age? What is retirement? Here's here's how I define retirement to to my clients. And this is like this isn't like you know gospel or whatever, but this is how I think about it, right? Retirement is the point where you have the financial security to make decisions out of desire instead of need. If you choose to work because you want to, but you don't have to you're free at that point. You're as good as retired in my book because you're making choices out of desire instead of need. You now have control of the situation. When you're a slave to the paycheck, you do not have control of the situation. So there's plenty of people that are on social security, but they're still working. They don't really need to. But they want to because they love it. It keeps them busy, whatever the case is. Are those people retired? I mean, technically, I guess they're not retired. But have they made the point that we're all trying to build to in financial planning? Yes. What we're trying to build to is financial freedom. How is that defined? Your required expenses are covered by guaranteed income. And you have the assets and you're well healed enough to make choices out of desire instead of need. That's what we're all going for. Mm. If you can get there at 35, more power to you. Let's go. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) The the number on the asset pool is going to change with your lifestyle, it's going to change with inflation, it's going to change with tax law, it's going to change with all sorts of stuff. There's no way that we can forecast a number that's going to be in any way accurate today or that we can stress test today of retirements 20, 25, 30 years or, or age 65 or whatever is a long ways off for you. Even if it's 10 years off for you, there's probably not a way that we can get a number that we're super confident in. Where if you reach this number, you're going to be okay. Because there's so many things that we don't control that could change that number. What we can do is say, how do we set up the structure to take longevity risk and transfer it away? How do we take the things that could blow up the island and make it somebody else's problem? Oh, by the way, how can we take the income that you have and the assets that you have and make sure that whatever is the maximum that you can harvest from it, we hit whatever that max number is? Okay. Yep. That's, what it, that's what it's all about. I got you.
0: Okay, we have um, we're going to just take a actually it looks like we have a question from one of our listeners. So we're going to finish up this episode with this question. Are you ready? All right. I'm always ready, Terry. I know. I I was born (laughs) ready. Why I asked the question, because I already knew the answer. I don't know. Where I go. <laughs> okay. We have a listener who reached out um, about annuities. She um, had an old 401k from her prior employer, and a friend encouraged her to roll it into an annuity. And again, I don't know if she, how much she knew about annuity, but she, she said she was wondering why she should do that and what benefits would there be. Uh, should she roll it into an annuity or deposit it into a current 401k, which I don't even know if you can do that. So what do you say?
3: Um, you can do that. You can take an old 401k with a prior employer and combine it with, with the one that you have for your current employer. So that, that is something that you can do. Um, you know, so I'm going to try to give any answer that may be helpful. I don't know this individual person's situation. So my first recommendation would be talk to a financial advisor about it because your individual situation is really going to dictate whether that's a tool that it makes sense for you to use. But I would, I would glean from the way that this listener asked the question, um, I don't actually know what she's trying to accomplish with this money. I don't actually know if she knows what she's trying to accomplish with this money. If we're just, is she just trying to grow the money? as much as she can over the long term for some nebulous period of retirement later is she looking to convert this money into income does she have concerns about the market right so when you think about okay a friend had a good experience with an annuity and annuity is just a tool it's not good or bad it it can be good or bad depending on how you use it
0: right
3: it's just a tool 401k is just a tool so um before anybody can answer a question on whether it's a good idea to roll an 0401K into an annuity, because the truth is sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. We would need to first define what are we trying to accomplish and then understand is the annuity the most efficient way to accomplish this? Her friend, Chances are her friend's situation is totally different than hers. Right. So just marked out for her friend doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea for her. That's how people get in trouble with annuities because annuities, guess what? Annuities have restrictions around them you're locking up the money for a period of time. Oftentimes, annuities can be higher in fees. Now, the reason why they're higher in fees is because you're basically paying to insure a part of your money, Mm -hmm. right? If you're transferring some risk onto the financial institution, they're holding that risk instead of you and you're you're paying a fee to transfer that risk. So high fee annuities aren't necessarily bad if they're used appropriately, but there are things you need to consider when you put money into an annuity. Um, not just with that money, but all the money you have outside of it to make sure you have access to enough liquid funds to make sure it's working in concert with the rest of the money you have in other places. So annuities can be used very well, but it's not something to be done flippantly. So just because your friend had a good experience with it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea for you because you are entering a zone of some restrictions of access to the money and, and fee structures that once you get in, you're, you're locked in or if you want to get out you got to pay a penalty to get out similar to a cd so okay. it's got to be done pretty thoughtfully
0: okay and it sounds like it's the conversation as you mentioned it's like it's time to have a conversation with planner
3: yeah you know it's kind of like i don't know it's it's like asking me should i should i move to florida or north carolina it's right like, i don't know you know i don't know what <laughs> I don't know what your job is. I don't know what you like. I don't know how much money you have. I don't know what your family situation is. Like on its face, you know, that question, it's impossible to answer because the answer is going to be different for every individual person.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Excellent.
1: It sounds like it's classic. Like, um, you know, she didn't really know what an annuity was to begin with. So that more of right. that education piece of learning what these tools are because we're not right. all familiar with them. That's right.
3: Right. right.
0: Exactly.
1: So Eric and Brian,
0: uh, how do people get in contact with you?
3: A couple easy ways. So the first is trianglefinancialgroup.com. You can fill out the contact card. It'll go straight to our inboxes and we will reach out to you to to, to set up an appointment. Super easy. On our bios, we also have our emails and our phone numbers listed. Yes, I made my phone number available to the entire world.
0: Um, (laughs) That is good information to know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It is very easily findable. If you want to get in touch with me, it's not too hard to find. A quick Google search, my LinkedIn, the TFG page is a billion places that you can find it. Um, I'm an old school kind of guy, so don't hesitate to call me. I love talking to people, um, and I know that Brian does as well. Our other partner, Jeff, is also on that website. So any of the three of us you can get in contact with um, on that website, either by
0: phone or by email. Okay, that's awesome. All right, we're going to wrap this up and I'm going to do a new segment. I don't know, Eric, I'm going to pick on you um, because I love to pick on you because you love to pick on me. So um, (laughs) were you on before and did we do a rapid fire? Did we do a rapid fire segment the last time you were here? Okay, this is good. Good. Okay. I have
3: no idea what this is, but I'm
0: ready <laughs> surprise.
3: For I'm gritty.
0: Um, okay, so rapid fire. I'm gonna say like two words, and you have to pick one. You don't have to give an explanation or anything like that. It's just like, you know, just boom, 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 boom. Okay. So all right, all right here we go. Beach or lake? Beach. Hamburger or hot dog?
3: Hamburger. Nope, hot dog. Sorry. <laughs>
0: I knew it. I knew it. Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Mm, good one. East coast or west coast?
3: West coast, a thousand percent. Oh! Not even a question.
0: <laughs> oh. White mountains or Boston?
3: White mountains. Mm. The farther I can, I, I love people, but when when I'm like, you know, big, the farther I can get away from people, like I would go live in the woods for a month in a tent. <laughs> it would be awesome
0: (laughs) i hear that okay tea or coffee coffee Mm, good one okay last one last one eric patriots or buccaneers oh why do you got to do this to me (laughs) (laughs) can can i answer brady (laughs) (laughs) i think i think it is i think that's that's the only way you can answer
3: (laughs) is that a a fair (laughs) cop-out um Oh. good question, Terry. How actually, do you like that evasion? I should run for office. I, I know, I right? No kidding, that's question, a good question. But I can't answer the question because that right there pulls at the, that pulls at the heartstrings right
0: there. <laughs> Eric, I just started, uh, actually, first time for me, I started, I'm a commissioner of our fantasy football league for some family. And that's, it's called the three Bs. Bring, bring, bring Brady back. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of.
3: <laughs>
2: bring um,
0: Brady back. Oh, I back, wish. Never going to happen. I know. I know. Thank you so much, Eric and Brian, for joining us today. We really appreciate um, all that you have offered. It's just excellent. And that's per usual with you guys, just great information for our listeners. So I'm just going to wrap this up and say, this has been the Making Money Personal Podcast. We have, If you've enjoyed today's episode, please share with your family and friends and be sure to like our new Facebook page. If you have any comments or question about today's episode, send us an email at Podcast at trianglecu.org. Thanks everyone and have a great day.
3: Until next time.
0: That's right.
1: Eric Cooper is a registered representative of and offers securities and investment advisory services through MML Investors Services LLC. Member SIPC. Supervisory address 101 Federal Street, Suite 800, Boston, Massachusetts. 02110. 617 439 4389.